I feel like live service players must be the most ungrateful video game fans in the business. The stuff I am seeing from the Diablo 4 fan base has to be some of the most excruciating, whiny stuff that I have seen maybe since the Division 2 debacle, but this is on a bigger scale because this feels like this is about the entire game of Diablo 4. And to some degree, I get it. Your characters that you are so beloved, that you worked on, they are nerfed. But I also feel like you must be new to this. <laughs> like you, you guys have not done loot-based stuff before where you have to grind and get and deal with balance issues. Like this this must be a huge thing. Because here's here here's and and you guys can come from a different perspective, but I at least want to set it up this way. The thing that I'm seeing is not necessarily just the whininess about the nerfs and all the other uh, nerfed things. I can understand why you'd be a little annoyed at the, at the nerfs. But Blizzard and, and crew are trying to balance the game for longevity's sake because one of the biggest criticisms that we've seen for Diablo 4 is that the end game isn't good enough. It, it's not satisfying enough. Oh, I destroyed the capstone dungeon. This is... So they're trying to fix that. Now, yes, it seems like in this case, they're just ripping the band-aid off and going, we need to like nerf all these things, switch all these things, change these things. And a lot of it is negative. I get why businesses tend to go, let's not nerf, let's buff. But Diablo, or the Blizzard team has seen the numbers. They know how the players are playing. They're seeing all the data all the players do not see. They know how the players are playing. And they're going, we see the writing on the wall. If we don't nerf all these things and instead buff all of these things, we're going to create an unstoppable power creep that we cannot cover, recover from. Not only that, they're also thinking about the season that just started and you have to start a new character anyway. So if you're interested in doing the new season, then the character that you've been playing as, whatever. You're starting a new character and you're starting it from scratch. So all these little patch things, you don't have to deal with it unless you're dealing with it with your current character that you've done the story with. So I just don't get the vitriol thrown at the developers over this to the point where they probably already planned it, but they have an emergency patch discussion happening tomorrow as of this date. This is July 20th as we're recording this. And I just have to ask you guys, could this be solved if the video game industry as a whole, and mostly for live service games, were even more transparent about the vision for their game, the point of their game, what they're trying to achieve with a game, do you think it would be even more helpful to the general public to understand situations like Diablo 4's latest patch? Go ahead. Anybody step in. Oh, I'll go first. Hey, guys. Um, this is your, uh, you know, Diablo player's first time, you know, feeling this way. Hey, it's okay. Destiny players have been this way for a year or so now. 
I was going to say, this can't be the first time you felt this. Oh no, we've got, we've got angry, you know, directly messaging community managers and developers on Twitter with death threats. That's just part of our culture. Apparently heck, you have gear that gets literally taken out of the game. (laughs) It's not even nerfed. It just ain't there. (laughs) That is so true. Like you've had an entire game vaulted. And, and here we are, you know, we're, we're the old people. It's like, you know, I, as you were talking, I just couldn't help but think of the meme of the uh, James Franco, James Franco. When it's like first time, first time, (laughs) like it's really so evident. Um, but to to I guess simplify and answer your question, no, that's kind of why Bungie has t- did a 180 on communicating with the fan base. Um, they were one of the most, I guess, progressive studios in being transparent with having CMs directly responding to questions and reasoning and thought processes and kind of addressing the feedback from not only the team, but also other players. And after, you know, months and years of death threats and Twitter aggression, they've stopped. They used to be very, detailed in their balance changes and patch notes very long and explanatory now it's nothing like that and it's because the community has done that to themselves by i hate to use the word immature but it kind of feels that way it's not going to help with them being more transparent because one us as players have no idea what goes on behind the scenes like you said with the numbers and things like that and two it's their game they they have a vision and a way that they want to do things that it doesn't really matter what we think we can give feedback but at the end of the day it's their decision on whether they act on it um and i you you said two words anthony that i want to kind of i guess finalize my first thoughts on this uh trivialize and power creep two words that the average complainer on line does not know about when you have these really broken builds yes they're fun they're great but they trivialize content and you get through with everything and then you're like what i need more to do like you said there's no end game when that tr- content is trivialized it really slows down not only longevity of the game, but also I think flexibility and play styles because you're just going to do that one build, which comes to my second term power creep. When you have all those things at that, or if you have that one build at that very high level, if you buff everything else to that level, the game will get stale and you're just going to have to continually buff and buff and buff and it's just going to cause power creep which a lot of players don't understand um and that's not good for games especially live service it it really isn't so no no they don't need to be more transparent because it's it will not work (laughs) they can try to be nice and cordial and 
say why they did stuff, but being more transparent won't work. I've, I've seen it in the destiny community and now they're basically, they shut the door on the community and said, we, you guys have done this to yourselves. So it's, it's interesting you say that because I feel like I was leaning towards that is probably the case. Being transparent is not the answer, but I don't know if anyone has gotten so transparent to the point where people truly understand what the developers are trying to achieve as they make their game. If if someone, if any developer or publisher has done that, okay, then I will stand corrected, but I don't know of any live service game that exists right now where, let's say a Diablo 4 situation like this, where they're going to literally say, this is everything we're aiming for, and this is why we are doing the things. They had a few notes within the patch notes to kind of prime players as they read the notes, but it's still nothing exhaustive. And I feel like maybe if they were a bit more exhaustive in their explanation, maybe they don't have to do it in notes. I don't know. Maybe patch notes need to become videos instead of just a bullet point list of stuff with a few developer comments here and there. But I wonder if, if they were truly transparent in that way, could it work? I, I still, I don't think so. Like the more transparent you get, like I, I think, you know, I go back to Bungie. They were the most transparent. I think of any studio. They used to have the live streams where they would bring devs on, discuss the new content, discuss patches, buffs, mm. all the new stuff. They stopped doing that because of harassment. <laughs> they used to have engineers, designers, um, program, you know, the dev team, not just PR or execs, but dev team come in and explain why they did certain changes from a technical standpoint alongside a balance standpoint. Because there are some balance uh, changes and patches that happen not because they want to change a certain thing, just for the fact of this thing was broken and they need to fix sure. it. Um, yeah. They did that and nobody understood it because it's technical lingo. And it didn't help the situation, and they still got harassed. Um, so and- I guess it's it's just one of those situations where these people aren't necessarily prepared to be able to communicate these things in a way for the general public to understand. So it comes out as technical jargon. And what it becomes is more ammo for the community to dump on the developers over because they don't understand it. And so they're just going to keep questioning and whining about things is 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 that correct oh very much so <laughs> when when the community doesn't understand something they don't like it and instead of accepting it and moving forward and just playing the game uh they get you know the internet discourse you know behind the keyboard and i think the the minority of people who do that um drive a lot of the uh drive the wedge between devs, uh, CMs, and the consumers. So, 
Yeah, this, okay, so that just feels like a larger problem with people where you want to complain, but you don't want to understand. I can't stand that. <laughs> One mm-hmm. of the most annoying things. I have a perfect example. Just yesterday, I, at work, I work with kids, and they play soccer indoors on a gym floor, gymnasium, basketball court, and they use a soccer ball uh, that, you know, obviously it's meant for a field. It's very bouncy on a gymnasium floor. So I, they they told me, yeah, this, it's too bouncy. It's too hard to control. Great. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll fix that. And I bought them a futsal ball. Futsal balls don't bounce as much. Like hardly ever. It's kind of fascinating how those things work. So I got them that. And just yesterday, they almost had a mutiny. They're like, we're not playing soccer with this ball. Why? I went in there and I'm like, you guys asked for this ball. You wanted something less bouncy. I gave you something less bouncy. Y'all are playing with this ball. This is what you asked for. I gave it to you. And now you're going to refuse to play. They played and still had fun. But then I realized they later told me the ball is too small. I guess futsal balls, they come like a size smaller than regulation soccer balls. So I'm like, so I told them, I'm like, this is what professional futsal players use. It's not like some youth size ball. I'm not trying to treat y'all like your young children. These were the older kids. But they still wanted what they wanted, right? Like, so like at the end of the day, it goes hand in hand. They they didn't care. They were just like, we want a bigger ball. I'm sorry. I can't give you both. Like, So you're either going to have this thing or the other thing. Those people who cannot be satisfied, I'm like, no, I'm just going to do my thing. And you're either going to like it or you're not going to like it. More than, more than likely, you're either going to play soccer or you're not. You're either going to play Diablo 4 or you're not based on these changes. We'll see how much you actually like the game. They're not trying to test the community in that way. But for all the people who are complaining, like, what do you actually care about? Do you actually enjoy Diablo 4? Bro, we are less than what? Oh, We're not even a couple of days into this patch. Everyone's still leveling up. We don't know what kind of buffs that they've added in along with the the few nerfs. They buffed a lot. So we, you could come out of this patch being stronger than you were before. It's, it's all about my favorite character, all the builds that I looked up on YouTube that are the most powerful. They're not the most powerful anymore. And, you know, with developers, uh, I know I haven't really said a lot on this. I I agree with Noah's point of, I don't think, I I just, I don't think increased transparency helps because this is a, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't kind of position that most developers find themselves in. It Can it lessen a little bit? Yes, but most of the people who are going to be mad are going to be mad whether you tell them why or not. Um, that That's just the point of it. Uh, as Noah and I worked at GameStop, we used to put up signs for buy two, get one free events in the sections. We would tell everybody as they walked in, it's buy two, get one free. Guess what happened all the time? People came up with two games that they picked that's up it. off the wall. And I looked at them and said, there's, one free oh so they totally missed the fact that we told them it and then they totally missed the fact that in front of them was a big honking sign in the section and all over the store like it wasn't like you could miss it 
you can put all the information out there that you want. People are just going to ignore it and think what they want to think. That's just how it goes. So uh, I don't know that it hurts to give more transparency, but I don't know that it really helps. So now we're at the point where we're going to figure out and learn and see if running a live service game and hardly communicating can coexist. Because that's the point we're headed to. Like yep. Diablo is going to learn their lesson. Overwatch is going to learn their lesson. Blizzard, in general, is going to learn their lesson. Apparently, Bungie has learned their lesson. Now we're going to see, can a live service exist while not communicating with the fan base? Because that's what live service has been based on for a long time. You are communicating with us and we're listening and you guys are helping us build this thing. We're ex-defiant. Like it, from the start, they were like, you're helping us build this game. Okay. We'll see how long that lasts. It's it's literally going it, to, it's part of what the whole conversation of we're listening. We're always listening. We're just not going to tell you anything more. We're going to drop out patch notes. Just know that we're listening and that's all you get. And the community has no one to blame but themselves because they're the reason that it got this bad. So, well, Diablo Four is just starting, so we'll we'll see. Yeah, this will be an interesting thing to watch about. Uh, you know how many of these live streams are going to do and whatnot. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how long they keep this whole live stream addressing player feedback. Uh, stuff up because they better have a lot of mods in their chat <laughs> and a lot of banned words. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Well, let's spin the wheel, shall we? It's currently a review in progress. I'm actually teaming up with uh, another fellow on the Gaming Trend staff, Adam. Ron's kind of playing piggyback just because I think he wants to play it. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's uh, a lot of it. Um, Yeah, so current impressions of Exo Primal are a little bit better than my initial thoughts uh, overall. To give you guys an idea, the baseline story... Do not take it seriously. Um, it, it does not take itself seriously with the dialogue and characters. So the premise, you know, if you can wrap your guys' heads around this, you're a silent exopilot who becomes part of the squad, the Hammerheads, which they have named themselves. You're f- patrolling around this island that you've done a hundred of times, and all of a sudden... Boom, you crash land, your ace, your main character, gets teleported three years in the past on that specific island to participate in war games where hordes of dinosaurs fall out of these like magic portals. And it's a an AI, I'm trying to say this without laughing, an AI named Leviathan is testing your skills against dinosaurs. Why? Because it's an AI who likes watching exofighters fight dinosaurs. Um, this is the future we have to look forward to. Yeah. It, 
it does not take itself seriously in dialogue, character interactions, camera I feel like wacky angles. is a good uh, a good descriptor. <laughs> Cringe, I think, is a better word. To be honest, <laughs> um, like just some of the lines are straight out of frat boy conversations who think they're funny with these witty jokes, but no one's this, laughing. This is PS2 Capcom era. Yeah. <laughs> and one cool thing I do want to give them props to in terms of story is they break it up in terms of you find out because there's this whole mystery about the island, this AI, and it almost like a uh, mechanical lock. There are pieces that slowly unlock and they give you some dialogue, some lore and stuff as you progress and do your runs is the main loop of the game is you load in and you fight. You're on a team of five. You fight off waves of dinosaurs doing different objectives, like escort a payload, protect a point, stuff like that. And as you do more runs, slowly things start getting more in depth. You start learning more lore bits, character interactions, uh, things like that. So that that is kind of cool, in my opinion. Uh, I like the, you know, kind of like a murder mystery where a little piece of the puzzle gets solved every now and then. Gameplay-wise, it's fun. It When you're in the middle of fighting off these, you know, hundreds of dinosaurs, it can get very hectic. But I just don't know in terms of, like, longevity because from what i've seen it it appears to have a battle pass i don't know if this is meant to be like seasonal like additions like dlc or not i don't know what you could do to add to that (laughs) i mean like it's very obviously supposed to be something because it's you've got like assault tank and support yeah so you've got three different (laughs) classes um and you have a basically a dips tank and support <laughs> each one it's very i saw someone this compared to like overwatch, overwatch is about to become yeah it's it's very <laughs> over like there are some characters like the character i'm playing right now is almost like the genji kit <laughs> uh there is a junk rat kitted character there is a soldier kitted it's nothing that if you've played a hero shooter before you're gonna recognize a lot of these abilities it's the archetypes yeah 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 it's nothing like out of the you know, out of left field rock. Oh, I've never seen this kind of build before. It's, it's all pretty um, standard hero shooter. kits. Um, the one thing that, especially in the gameplay that I'm concerned of is it's, there's not a lot of map variety. It's you're loading into these generic, city locations and you're running the exact same routes on the three to four maps. Very repetitive. Um, very repetitive, especially when you're running the same routes, I'll be like, at least swap up the routes a lot more. But when you're, when you have characters who, before you even go to the next destination, cause it's, you'll go to one area, defend the point, go to another area, kill dinosaurs. It's when People are preparing this early on in the game's life. They already know which path to run. You've got too few paths, like, coordinated. But it can get kind of hectic at times. The game's not too hard. 
Like I've yet to really struggle as I say that as I die, where I'm having to really think <laughs> about, you know, coordinating with my team. Like it's basically, if you have one healer who has at least halfway decent, you don't really have to coordinate with anything. You can kind of do whatever you want. Oh, I'm sorry. This whole time, this is a team game. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, you load in with five people. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, somehow Which, I missed that. It's oh on Game God. Pass as well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yep. And it's online. If you don't have enough to fill, they do do bot or they do implement bots. The bots, it's hit or miss. You'll have one homie who is out here resing your team. He's healing. He's shooting. He's doing everything. And I had a, a couple of bots that were running the other way. <laughs> like, I don't know if they got coded in wrong. Um, <laughs> they were running away. So some of the matches you play, um, I guess you're, it's just your team where you're trying to complete objectives. Um, it's just your team. There's another mode where you are actually racing another team of five to complete the objective as fast as possible. So it's kind of a PVEVP <laughs> mode. And this is kind of like the one, I guess, catch up mechanic that the game has. I don't, there's not a catch up mechanic really. I wish there was. Um, but once per match, if you want to call it that, you can actually summon a dinosaur and take control of it and use it to attack the enemy team. <laughs> uh, that will either wreck your team or you will be like me and none of the hits register and you're just that getting was awful in the tutorial beamed. At least like, I felt like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, the hit registration when you're the big you can either so far i've only been able to do the triceratops and t-rex hit registration on those things are horrible uh, is it so, one of those situations where you have to have your uh uh your gun cursor over the enemy for it to affect so it really doesn't take into account the there, there the size of your body yeah, yeah there's no cursor yeah, no. yeah, you're wow just, you're, you're guessing you're, yeah, you're aiming and hoping. <laughs> that is what you're doing. <laughs> oh my god! Um, yeah, the tutorial actually took a lot longer for me because I couldn't make the T Rex hit the person. Hit the even yeah. though it seemed like it should work. <laughs> the the main problems that I have with having the like two teams, I like the concept of two teams racing to complete the series of objectives. I like that. My only, I have a couple problems. One, there isn't a catch-up mechanic. There's not one like mid-game. Like I would much prefer if how you can control the dino. That needs to be mid-game and not closer towards the end. Um, because snowball mechanic is very real in this <laughs> in this game. Um, secondly, I think we should be able to fight more often with the other team. In the game modes where you're, you actually have the PvP interactions, it's not until the very end you get one chance to fight the other team. And in a lot of cases, um, it really depends on whoever gets there, gets to the main ending area first, and then they can just obliterate the enemy because of way the chokeholds are. There's literally one choke on each side, and you, you get funneled in. And the team's already there. You can't do anything. So I think there's some balancing there that can be done. Um, otherwise, it's okay. 
in terms of a PvEVP mode, it's nothing, you know, that's going to blow anyone away. I like the different characters, though. The the exosuits are pretty fun. They all, like I said, very Overwatchy hero shooter standards, but they play pretty well. The game handles very well in terms of like aiming and movement. It feels very fluid. Nothing feels very jarring, jank, or anything like that. So I am, I think, 40% of the way through the story in terms of like unlocking the little data chips that give me the lore and the cutscenes and stuff. Um, but yeah, so it's okay. Like, I, I think they had the potential to do some really fun, crazy horde mode shenaniganery with dinosaurs. Um, but there's just not enough engagement there to keep me like, I don't want to keep playing past doing the story. Like I'm going to play this game. I'm going to get all the trophies, get my platinum. And then I probably will not touch it again, even if they add content. Cause I, I don't know what they could add besides new dinosaurs, which, you know, it's like, okay, cool. New dinosaur. But that doesn't excite me enough to want to, you know, turn the game on. And then I guess my final thoughts on the story. It's just boring. Like the characters are not likable. They're not interesting. Your your main character is silent, like doesn't speak. We don't know why yet. I don't know if it's an intentional thing. But when you have a character who is silent. Hey, look, it's Ryan. Yep. I guess. Yeah, see, hey, <laughs> um, when you have a character who is silent and doesn't speak, you have to have your supporting characters be the reason you were invested. They have to kind of carry the weight. And in this, they don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's just, I, it's mid, I, I think is the best way to phrase it. Um, definitely does do not recommend this as a full purchase price point. Uh, it's on game pass. If you can get with some friends, download it, check it out, play through the story. That's great. Um, or if you want to pick it up with some friends on sale, I think there could be a lot of people enjoy that. Uh, with friend, the, the multiplayer aspect, you know, to squat up and just turn your brain off mindlessly shoot some dinosaurs. Um, but for those who are looking at, you know, an engaging story with, you know, twists and turns that really make you think or want to be curious about the Island, the lore, the characters, this isn't that it's very cheesy, very corny. Um, so yeah, it's, Review in progress. I'm hoping to be done with the uh, the main campaign by the end of the week. And then hopefully can round out some final thoughts early next week. I have two thoughts about this. Number one, I love the way the dinosaurs fall out the portals because they don't fall out and just land perfectly on their feet. Like a cat. No, some of them they fall on each other. They're hitting the ground. They're like roll. They fall on their sides. Like it looks like a mess, <laughs> and it's it's halfway enjoyable just yeah. watching that. 
it, it's almost like, you know, instead of, you know, when you think like, oh, it's an incoming wave of, di- of raptors, you're kind of like, oh, you know, you kind of, that's kind of serious way, talk. See the video right here where I'm just missing everything with this. Dinosaur. Everything. I mean, it's, literally. Yeah, it's very hard to, uh, to actually land hits on them. That was the first time um, I actually hit anybody. Yeah, you did better <laughs> than me, dude. I was a Triceratops and I got smoked. So, um, but yeah, like you're, you're thinking waves of raptors and it, you're like, oh, this is going to be intense. And then when you watch them fall out and it looks like the one raptor in front tripped, fell. And if you remember like the bicycle wreck videos on like the Tour de France and all that stuff, where if one falls, they just all kind of tumble. It's like that. Um, and that kind of really takes the the seriousness out of it when they just kind of all stumble out of the the portals. Hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I just got through doing a boss fight. It was the first like big boss fight, um, and it actually had some mechanics in it, which I was surprised with. I was not expecting mechanics for a boss fight in this game. Um, but yeah, I think there are some bits and pieces in here that are that are really fun and well done but there's just for every one there's two things that are just very underwhelming the second thought i had was i haven't heard anybody describe it this way i've heard the overwatch comparison but i haven't heard anybody mention this looks like a more of a musu game like a dynasty warriors just with all the enemies that are that you have to fight and you know I, what looks like how easy they are to juggle and combo and oh, yeah. hit and whatnot. Um, you definitely it get definitely that. has some Musu vibes. It looks like there are a few melee based characters, and if you choose to go with them, it definitely can feel that way. Um, like the Genji character that I was using is very melee based. Um, there is a tank that builds a big katana. And kind of has a really cool skill set with a counter, a grapple, kind of like from um, Sekiro, which is really cool. So when you're in the midst and you're doing the melee stuff, it definitely can. Because the Raptors are kind of the cannon fodder of this game. Uh, The only time they ever really become a problem is if you're like me and you don't realize that there is a portal above you that the raptors come out and they just all kind of fall on you. And it's not that they kill you because of like biting you. It's because they took fall damage and you were the pillow, you know? So it's definitely interesting. Okay. All right. That's a, that's exo primal. No one ever thought this game was coming out. Uh, I don't know if anyone remembers a whole lot about Six Days in Fallujah. Uh, I don't know if Noah remembers this coming out. <laughs> I don't know if you had heard a lot about it. Can I? Uh, can Anthony, I? But... Can I tell you a funny thought that I had? Go ahead. I saw it on Steam, released in 2023, and I thought to myself, "Why'd they re-release it?" 
<laughs> I really thought so you thought it had already come out. I thought it had come out a long time ago. I was like, no. wasn't this on like PlayStation Two or something? <laughs> so, so what actually it? happened it is like uh, it was supposed to be coming out, I believe, on PS3, and it ended up Konami, with all the controversy behind it, decided not th- that they didn't want to put the money behind it. That's right. That, uh, so the studio right. actually closed. Um, in this, it actually got picked back up. Uh, by a team I've not heard of before, Highwire Games and Victura. I've heard of Highwire, yeah, but not Victura. But I mean, it, it, everyone thought you know con- it was very controversial war and whatnot and such. So you just you weren't sure this was ever going to see the light of day. That was the that was the biggest thing with this game, and now it's. It's in early access, at least. The game, the game is not completely finished. Uh, what you're actually watching, if you're watching the video version of this, this is a, a training mission that they have you set in. Uh, and what's funny is for something that's a training mission, it really doesn't teach you how to play the game. <laughs> it's more of an area to figure out how to play the game. <laughs> In the sense of you go in, you do things, and you're like, okay, uh, I- I'm guessing uh, if you looked at the controls, then maybe you have an idea <laughs> of what's going on. If, uh, but but it just pretty much spawns you in is like, hey, just clear out all the, clear out all the the, the I don't know what the word for the 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 targets. So they've just got targets that are up there. And you've, they don't even give you uh, indicators of where they are. <laughs> you having to go look around and find them in a time limit. So, as obvious as this is, it this is a military shooter. Uh, and I'm not even sure saying shooter is the right word because it's almost more military sim would be probably the better word for it. Because what you're doing is so much different than what traditional shooters do and it's a very dark way that it does it um so they actually start off both the fire team before you start getting into the the fire team mode and before you actually even boot up the game there is a almost mini documentary that plays detailing like actually has people that were involved in the battle and people who were there around the time dealing with some of this stuff, talking about what was happening and, and the things that were going on at that time frame. So you really just get this overall sense right out the gate of, okay, you're not, this isn't, for lack of a better term, this isn't a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> this That's not what you're doing at all. It's, it's not like Call of Duty where, you know, you're, they had that video. I'm sure most people remember the ghost video of the breach, the 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 two idiots, you know, who were running through with the the GoPro camera that they gave away with the collector's edition. None of that is here. It, instead, it's a much more serious tone that is is in this game. And when you go into these fire teams, some of the things that they tell you right off the gate is they're like, "Look, you need to make sure that you're not running this through Discord for echoes." sake with different things you need to try and be running things through the actual game when you're doing the matchmaking which is up to four players and as soon as you spawn into the battlefield you're behind a tank 
you're going towards this area. You're supposed to be clearing out the people that are the the, the comb- enemy combatants that are there, the terrorists that are there. And from the second you spawn and you're like, what the heck am I doing? And it's not a thing of the of like a this is bad game design. What the heck am I doing? It, it's this feeling of existential dread of there's no HUD. <laughs> so I have no information that I'm going on here. There's not this like there, there's not a mini map that is directing me a certain way. This is a wide open battlefield that I am in. I don't know where the enemies are or where they're coming from. And I've got to figure all of this out as I do it. It, Which is to a degree what a lot of these men and women were dealing with as they went into the, this war that was going on. So you there, I do have to commend the team behind it as they're, they're managing to capture this intimidation this despair that is on the battlefield in a, in a really well done way. Um, I have to pause you there. Um, yeah. The only comms you can have is from your teammates, like who you're actually playing with match made or friends. It, you're not playing against any other. Um, so you're not playing against anyone. Right, right. In in your fire team missions. So what's really interesting is the way that they've done the comms is you actually have to press a button on your controller or your keyboard and it pulls it up as if it's going through a they they requ- they're essentially saying that you may have some issues if you're using like say Discord or something. But the way that they've actually set everything up is that it goes through a radio. It's like you're hitting the button on the radio on your chest. And you are communicating everything that's coming through is almost like you are on the battlefield. And so there and are they're trying pre- to make this predetermined phrases that you'll have. Well, you can still calm regularly. Oh, OK. Like you, okay. you're still regularly calming. It's it's just that you, they're wanting to, I guess, narrow the way that you're calming. And like I said, it's just the way that they are kind of putting all of this together. Like none of you on the team knows what's going on, which part of that is that is that the. And you'll have to forgive me if I'm if I'm wrong at all, but let me look at some. Let me look up something real quick here. Because I want to make sure I'm saying this correctly. Yeah, while you look that up, my concern is that the design of having everyone communicate with each other and figuring out where enemies are on the battlefield and making it feel so realistic. None of us, at least us normal people have, uh, have military training. So if I decide to play this game, I don't know phrases and call outs and, and ways to protect my teammates as well as myself from enemy combatants. And my concern would be it might feel too realistic to the point where uh, I will have very little success or perhaps it will take a more, for uh, lack of a better way to put it, but at least a, a relatable way, a more Dark Souls-y approach where you just have to keep trying and trying and trying. And that includes trying in the way you communicate. Yeah. And that, I believe, is is part of it to a degree, is 
if you're going into this and you're trying to play it like Call of Duty, if you're trying to play it like Battlefield, even if you were trying to play it like Rainbow Six, you're probably going to fail because this is some this is a game where it's about the the kind of the horror of the moment in the sense that I don't know what's around the next corner. I don't know what's coming at me. And that's what these men and women dealt with. <laughs> and I I feel like that's very tough to make that work in a video game. So it's it's to a degree, it's, it's impressive that they've managed to even get this far. Uh, one of the ways that they're doing it, and it's what I was actually looking up, is they're actually working with procedural architecture in this game. So they've developed a technology that it reshapes the entire battlefield each time you play the game, where it assembles buildings and city blocks procedurally. So that way, when you go into these fire team missions, because I, I, I remember thinking this when we spawned, when I spawned in like the second time, I was like, okay, this doesn't look like the exact level that I just played. <laughs> and it wasn't that it was a radical departure, but it was enough of a departure to where I felt uneasy. So they figured out a way to keep you feeling uneasy just like a soldier would if they were in this position for the first time. And like the that your cover isn't always perfect. Your you don't know where these enemy combatants are coming from. I remember going up these stairs and I had no idea what was around. And as soon as I get to the top of the stairs, I see a a terrorist with a uh, machine gun, like a, an actual like like machine gun to, hook to someone who's going to suppress the rest of the team. And I had to as quick as I could duck and try to get back down the stairs. Thankfully, I was smart enough to have proceeded slowly. Uh, or guy would have just completely taken me out. And it is one of those games where you are gone in a couple of hits, which makes sense that that seems like it's probably the most obvious thing with it. And your enemies do go down pretty quickly. Uh, the, the thing, one of the things I noticed with my gun, and I don't know if I just hadn't figured out how to change it or whatnot is at the the weapon that I was using was always single shot. <laughs> and some of that is there is just so much weapon sway. There is so much going on with your movement and whatnot that you were just, you, I did not feel very accurate most of the time. And, and that was something that was definitely differs from playing a call of duty where you can play these strafe kind of poke. <laughs> you, you're not poke poking on this one. Um, and that's just, again, I feel like it's a really good part of this game's design. And I think that's probably what I look at more as I've played this. And I still have more that I want to do. Uh, Editor-in-Chief Ron Burke, he's playing this with me a bit, uh, or he's going to play this with me over the weekend so that I can get some of his his thoughts on it, given he was actually in the military and and dealt with some of this kind of stuff. But it's the... It's just... 
it, everything that they've designed works for this game. I don't think that they're you stick this as a Call of Duty, people aren't going to like it. You make this a Rainbow Six, people aren't going to like it. You make this with the tone that they set with these opening videos of what you were dealing with. I feel like they have set the expectation as soon as you boot up Six Days in Fallujah of this is not just a traditional shooter. It, it is a, a dark take on the uh, on a military sim where you, you really are getting a feel on what it might have been like to have to proceed under the circumstances they had to proceed in. The weapons way that you talk about, that sounds great because it sounds like like you said, in every aspect, they want you to keep feeling unsure. You go around a corner, you better have that gun under control. You better figure that out. It's going to slow the yep. players down. Yep. Well, like I, I said, that's why it works for this game. Because <laughs> I know not every game could get away with it. Uh, that, that This is someone who, I mean, I cover the first-person shooter for us. <laughs> Yeah. So um, it's it, it's that thing of it, you have to go into this you have to go into it with an open mind, but it's also one of those things of this is just great game design in pushing the tone and the gameplay that you want to set up. This is not going to be for the Call of Duty audience or the Rainbow nope. Six audience or or even the Siege audience. And, and that's one of the reasons I brought up Rainbow Six is it's closer to this than, than Call of Duty. I mean, Call of Duty is on the complete other end of the spectrum. It's closer, but it's still so far but, but away. Yeah. <laughs> this is a whole nother level. Now, yep. I, I don't know. Your weapon sway didn't look that crazy if you're watching by video. But it, it and it's mainly the... It wasn't strength. moving. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, uh, that's the thing is you're, oh, you're, you're okay. having to stop. You're, well, like, yeah, you're, okay. you have to, you're having to stop. Yeah. I wonder what the Arma community would feel about this game. Because I know Arma the, is... This would be closer. <laughs> yeah. I think Arma's the closest thing, if not maybe exact replica. I don't know. I haven't played Arma, but I know that is a military sim. So... Operation Flashpoint was another one that was kind of you know, the back in the day. It was more similar. Yeah. I'm curious to know what they would think about this. I don't know. Sounds intriguing. I don't know if I'm going to play it. No. I don't know. They, how they do have a full. <laughs> they do have a full campaign planned. So that that is something that uh, I, I'm actually very interested in because I've always that's one of the reasons I've enjoyed the Call of Duty games is the campaigns and getting to see. But you're I, not going to get anything who, like that. No, as someone who was a history major, I'm very interested in like just. There's going to be a lot that is going to be shown here. So I got a weird analogy, so follow me on this, okay? I, have you have y'all ever tried beans on toast before? No. Have you heard of it? As I am American, uh, yes. no. I've, I've heard of it. <laughs> okay. But... <laughs> yeah, I was having a discussion with a few people about this. Uh, not a long discussion, but 
Beans on Toast is probably one of the weirdest concoctions I have heard of. Apparently, this is a British thing, and I can understand why people think British food is quite weird because beans on toast is a very weird concept. You know, it's beans, which can be good on toast, which could also be good. You put them together, you got something, but they don't do anything for each other. It's not like beans become better because they're on toast or toast becomes better because there's beans on them. It's just two foods slapped together. None make each other better. That's kind of how Grand Blue Fantasy Versus is. There's a bunch of mechanics in this that are in there that don't necessarily make it better, but it doesn't necessarily make it worse either. And I feel like it's so bloated because of these things. And a little bit confusing. So there's just some questionable decisions in it. There is, it's a fighting game, number one, based off a mobile game that was turn-based strategy, Grand Blue Fantasy. It was a mobile turn-based strategy game. They turned it into a fighting game. And they have what's called a grid system. And in this grid system, you have a main weapon, and then nine other slots you could put other weapons and items in it. Why? I don't know. I don't understand the grid system. I have looked up videos. I have looked for facts to understand what the grid system is supposed to do. It makes you stronger, but I don't understand the logic behind how it makes you stronger. So you can autofill it with whatever the game decides, but people have said, oh, that's not the best way to do it. Here's some stuff you can do. Great. Can I figure out how to make my own decisions? Because nobody seems to be able to explain how the grid system works, which lets me know it's a very confusing and unnecessary piece of part of the game. And I haven't been using it, and I've been having incredible success without using the entire grid system. Granted, I'm playing on normal, but still. If I feel like I don't need your system, then it doesn't need to be in there. Um, so that's, and then it's loot based as well. Fighting games, typically, besides maybe like Soul Calibur specifically for the story mode, uh, you have a weapon, whatever character, they, they have their thing and you stick with the thing. But in this, you can get weapon loot or different items and things like that. Why? I don't know. I don't know what the point of it is, because even if you took that away, the game functions just fine. It just feels like a system based off of what it was before as a mobile game to feed the gotcha mechanics. But it doesn't need to be there. Not for Grand Blue Versus. Not for Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. Maybe, maybe it fits more for the mobile version. Grand Blue Fantasy turn-based strategy mobile game. For this, I don't. It doesn't need to be there. I my my gameplay situation has not been improved, or I'm not having more fun because loot is dropping, and I love loot. You guys know Borderlands, yep. Diablo, all the Division, Destiny. I love loot. I am not impressed by the loot. I don't need the loot. It's fine without the loot, but it's there. It doesn't hurt the game, but it's not making it better either. It's just one more thing to click. There's a level cap on characters. And I'm not talking about a level cap as in you've reached level 100, you've capped. I'm talking about you reach level 20 and then you can click on some other stuff and 
infuse other things to unlock the next set of levels for yourself. Why? I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't help the game. It's just one of those things, again, that I don't know why it's in there. It's not making the game worse, but it's not making it better. So it's fine. But it does feel very mobile game, like like it it came from a mobile game. The fighting part of it is better. It it is a little better. So you can you can fight in the RPG story, which the story isn't anything to be, you know, it's not great, but it's fine. I think it's worth playing through. It's short, four to six hours, or six to eight hours, excuse me. But the the fighting itself. Uh, it's, it's got depth to it, not quite on the level of a street fighter, but there is some depth to it. You can't just button mash and be able to get away with stuff. You do have to think, you have to think about your spacing. You do have to think about which attacks you're doing, but it is limited. And part of the reason is there are certain things that anyone can do that make you a little bit, let's just say crouch blocking for example crouch blocking is extremely powerful because it blocks so many things part of the problem is there are no overhead attacks to counter crouch blocking so most of the time you have to jump and do something but jumping is predictable so fights end up being a neutral game footsies kind of who whiffs their attack and who can counterattack the whiff and figure out the combo that will get their enemies. So to confirm this, I watched some matches from Evo. It was, it was a game at Evo and they are so boring. It's not that the players are boring, but the fight is so boring. It has the tension of soccer but without the release, it's just tension the whole time. And you're waiting for the moment. It's like, can, can something interesting happen here? But they're just, it's, I'd argue it's worse than fencing. They just, you're waiting so much for something to happen. And the crouch block is just so strong. It is fascinating to watch them try to mind game each other at, into some combo. But there's so much waiting and there's so much tension. It, so boring to watch you appreciate what they do with street fighter because that game could be feel slow to a lot of people but that game is chess it is exciting to watch this is not and then there's the story it's weirdly paced it is five minutes sometimes of dialogue and then there are situations where it is clear they are trying to give you combat scenarios. So you'll be in a situation where they're talking about, oh, there's this big bad enemy over there. Okay, let's go get him. Oh, no, enemies. So you go and you get into a sequence where you have to fight some enemies. You beat the enemies. Okay, what's going on with big guy? Oh, he's still there. Okay, do a little thing. Ah, oh, it's not working. Okay, well, we'll try to do something enemies and then you'll fight some enemies and i'm exaggerating like how how they come out but it feels like that like you you get to a scenario it's like okay there's oh yes enemies somehow got in the way of course they did yes let's go into a secret so it doesn't flow very well it doesn't feel natural it definitely feels forced in the way they create 
enemy encounter scenarios. It's not the worst thing in the world, but you definitely sense it. It's like, oh, you kind of you could have done this a little better. I will give them this credit, though. The voice acting, it, it's all Japanese, so uh, English dubs. But uh, sorry, not English dubs, English captions. All voiced in Japanese. Sounds good. Like that. So that part was enjoyable. Enjoyed hearing the voice acting. Very good. Other than that, I, th- this is not what I expected this to be. I thought this was going to be uh, a little bit better. Um, and then I realized, oh, this was a mobile game because it feels like a mobile game. Uh, it's more tuned for PC play. It does feel more advanced than mobile, but there are so many things in there that have come from the mobile version of this. And at the end of the day, none of it matters. None of it. Not that one thing. And again, doesn't make it worse, but it certainly doesn't make it better. So would you say if you're wanting to play a Grand Blue fighting game to just go play the mobile game? I would say if you want to play a Grand Blue fighting game, play this. Play this. I I haven't played the turn-based version of it, but if you do want to play something where you are in control of the character, this this is a fine substitute for the turn-based version of that. I will give it that. I am I guess I'm set to go out to San Francisco and play the uh, newer version of Grand Blue and check that out. So I am curious to know what kind of things they're going to improve on from what they've done with this because things like no overhead attacks, that's weird. So I wonder if they're going to improve on simple things like that. Maybe better storytelling, maybe better uh, transitional encounters with the way the story works. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I don't know. There, there's, there's something there. Not like I'm not having any fun, but it's not, it's not as it's not as deep as I would like it to be and what I think it should be. I feel like they should take a whole bunch of stuff away and focus on making good fighting and a good story. I feel like it has that kind of potential where it doesn't even have to lean into the gacha type of mechanics. They could just go full on like this is story and you can do the fighting stuff and then you have the versus mode. This is besides Street Fighter Six. This is probably one of the latest examples of how you can combine a fighting game with a good story, decent story, as well as just the straight up fighting. So it just doesn't quite reach the heights that it can. And I think part of it is they're so busy messing with all the bloat that they've put in there, <laughs> all the extra beans on the toast or the toast with the beans. I don't know. Okay, Sony and Microsoft agreed to some kind of deal to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. All right, that's the news. What I want to ask you guys about is Microsoft has been doing deals with Nintendo, NVIDIA. Now they've done a deal with Sony. They've done the deals with others that I can't remember off the top of that, my head. Those with Sony and NVIDIA have been 10-year contracts. We don't know the length of the Sony yeah, we deal. do. It's 10. Oh, the, we do know. It is 10. Yeah, the, the, okay. Verge, the Verge so confirmed it. Okay, so it is 10. So 
being that it's 10 years, to me, there is a level where I think maybe Microsoft believes that Call of Duty with these 10-year deals only has about 10 years left before it starts falling off. My gut on that is typically business people have a pretty good beat on the market that they're trying to reach. Um, if you watch the stock market, you know, doing all that stuff, they don't always get it right, but they do get a lot right to be fair. And so with them specifically doing 10 years, yeah, it's probably long enough to satisfy the governments, but perhaps maybe it is also about yeah, call of duty's only got 10 years left we'll we'll do that by the time this 10 years is up maybe call of duty isn't as uh, prevalent so maybe we can make it exclusive then and people won't care as much the next big thing will be out maybe it'll be from microsoft i don't know so how long do you guys think call of duty has until it's less relevant that's what that's what i want to know I mean, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll go first because David's yawning. Um, <laughs> I, I think that if Call of Duty, you know, whatever level that they fall off, I, I'm i sure that every other studio, aside from like Grand Theft Auto, would love to sell the units <laughs> that Call of Duty will still sell, even if it does drop off, because it's just going to be an incredible number. Um, I... The before it starts dropping off, the, the best thing that Call of Duty has is there's the rotation of developers. And so let's say that, you know, they one year it's, you know, poorly received, if you want to call it that. What does everyone do? Hey, Treyarch's coming up in two years. Hey, yeah, Infinity every time. coming up in you two years. Like, it, it's that perfect, like, they're going to make them wait because their favorite developer is going to re- release their new game. Happens so every time <laughs> um, I don't see it falling off, which, you know, it's hard to judge what's going to be, you know, I guess relevant or how the industry is going to be in 10 years. That's a whole other topic of conversation, but I, I think call of duty it will either evolve into something else or completely reinvent itself before it dies. Like I don't, I don't see call of duty just falling into obscurity, like in a gradual state. I think that they'll stop before it gets too far and drastically do something to reinvent it to kind of save it before the ship goes down. If that makes sense. What in the world could Call of Duty do to drastically reinvent itself? Becomes a first-person shooter MMO, a la Destiny. <laughs> no. okay. Like I said, that's that's a question that I don't have the answer to. That would be fascinating. But, you know, when push comes to shove, they'll they'll come up with something. They got fifty bajillion developers underneath their family that can pull together a Call of Duty. And you've got these, like like you said, there's 50, it's not just that there's 50 bajillion developers, it's that they've got some extremely, they've got some fantastic talent in some of these studios. Uh, uh, I know everybody always jumps on Treyarch's the best. Trey, Treyarch has, does have some amazing developers. I mean, people forget these are the guys who 
this is the team, not not obviously the same exact team, but this is the team that's come up with a lot of games that we forget that they had a hand in. They Treyarch had built Spider-Man 2 on PS2. People often forget that. Uh, Treyarch made one of my favorite James Bond games. I know GoldenEye is, is a favorite of many, but they actually did Quantum of Solace, which was very underrated on the Xbox 360. Uh, Treyarch has just... The biggest thing is they've just made so many good games. And like Noah said, it's you fall into this, oh, well, Treyarch's coming. And people people really hit on that Treyarch's coming and Treyarch just they continue to make such good games that you can kind of count on that team to to do what what needs to be done um so I I agree that in the sense of Call of Duty falling off there there will be some fall off whether they like it or not people there's going to be good and bad years but Man, like Noah said, there's a lot of people who would take a bad year for Call of Duty. I, I think it kind of falls into that same... I think it kind of falls into the same thing as Madden and FIFA and stuff does at this point. In it's that annual release that, as much as somebody might hate it, they're still going to play it. And Call of Duty keeps coming up with ways to keep people playing it. I'm not saying it's good saying they're coming up with ways to keep people playing it <laughs> so so even if it's not good they're coming up with ways to keep you buying it and keep you playing it so i i yeah i i think that call of duty is going to stay relevant in the space now does that mean that nobody else is going to find a way to make something else i mean you've got your apexes you've got your fortnites there are other place people in the space and you may even get to some place. I mean, technically, one would argue Fortnite's technically bigger than Call of Duty now. Um, I would say it probably is. But in the end, it's just it's a mainstay in the space, and it's going to stay that way. Uh, some something I forget who it was that said it, but somebody online said with the whole PlayStation thing of they've got 10 years and stuff. We'll have to see if they will be willing to renegotiate this. Somebody said Sony needs to go like as hard as they can at EA and spend some serious dough to get them to make Titanfall three and make it exclusive. And I was like, you know, if there were, I'm not saying that it'll ever happen. This is what there were. But if there were a game though, I would love that it. Sony could get that would compete with the Call of Duties. No. Don't give no. me hope, David. Don't give me hope, dude. <laughs> I would it, it love just, to see Titanfall 3, name, but it has no it has chance. The name, it has the name quality to, to be able to do well. Because I, I still think Titanfall 2 fell into just bad timing. I agree. You release it next to <laughs> Battlefield literally one week In before In between Battlefield. Battlefield and Call of Duty, yes. Absolutely yep, it was ridiculous. Awful. Um, but no, I no. Titanfall does not have the power of not even close. I think it could Call of Duty. Not even close. No. I love Titanfall. Even even with the Apex community. Like there's a reason why Apex has taken off and Titanfall has not. Um I love Titanfall. And I would play it. I would love the frick out of it. Quality, yeah. yes, power, no. 
I think it's the best. Like in terms of well, quality and maybe of game. I could say it even better. It could get there. I could if there were a game that could get there, I could see it getting there. The, I can't. I in can't terms see that of a arcade shooter that you can boot up, drop into a game in a couple minutes with your friends for a, you know a co- an hour or so gaming session. There's nothing that it, on the market now that could ever compete. It would have to be a new IP or something. But if there was a pre-existing IP or game that could get anywhere in the ballpark of call of duty it's titanfall that's yep. well that's that's more what i'm getting because there were the same there were some people say well they should get battlefield I'm like no battlefield doesn't have that power like it, it well, battlefield is a totally has different lost. type of yeah. game yeah. well yes battlefield has, has lost. the arcade yeah but let's let's live in a world where battlefield 2042 was good from from the beginning battlefield is just simply a different kind of shooter with yep. different expectations than Call of Duty. It is a little slower. It always has been. It always will be, and it always should be. But the sell of Battlefield is huge battles with all kinds of crazy vehicles and destructibility. The Call of Duty audience doesn't care about that. So they're not ever going to switch to Battlefield over Call of Duty because Battlefield cannot deliver the speed, the pace the the compactness that Call of Duty can have. Titanfall can. The problem with Titanfall is that it's a little more technical than Call of Duty. That's the only, yep. and it's a big reason, but is the only reason why the Call of Duty audience would not carry over to Titanfall. All the wall running stuff, the double jumping, the going from leaping and doing all that stuff, the zip lines... That's too much. It's too much. Just put know. me on the ground. I don't know. Right now, all the right now, all the Call of Duty community wants to go back to jetpacks. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So you bring up an interesting point. You, I feel like there's fatigue with Call of Duty right now, and yes, we've been feeling that, but even more so now than I feel like than before, which is part of the reason why I wonder about the ten year contract. World War Two didn't work. Um. Gulf War is rumored for the next Call of Duty. Give me yep. a break. You think you really think the Gulf War is going to be the setting that draws people in? Like nobody cares about. It. I'm sorry, in the history books, in the classrooms, we didn't hear about the Gulf War. We heard about the World Wars, and we're tired of the World Wars. So what do they go to? Future warfare, black ops. Um, they go to uh maybe more current day-ish kind of um uh, war with modern warfare the only names at this point for call of duty that matter are modern warfare and black ops at some point those names are going to fall off unless they turn modern warfare which is what i think i should do when modern warfare 2 came out i said they should turn it into some kind of soap opera (laughs) like just lean on these characters that we all love and take them through all kinds of battles that will absolutely follow them through that's the only way i see modern warfare carrying on same with black ops otherwise those They've settings done that admittedly they, they have which is why i got the idea they should just keep leaning into that and just roll with it but with black ops and modern warfare if those are the only two names that will hit consistently at some point that will also fatigue i don't think 
other wars are going to be as interesting for the audience that Call of Duty serves at this point, which is not the original Call of Duty audience when 1 through 3 came out. So I am feeling that Call of Duty does not have the same shelf life as a Madden or a FIFA. And part of the reason for Madden and FIFA is the fact that those are real sports and they're both the biggest for their specific areas. Football, biggest in America. Football, football, biggest for Europe. So they are the biggest longstanding games there. Call of Duty doesn't have that backing it up. I, I think as long as the gameplay and the way Call of Duty feels and plays stays at the level that it is, I think that's mostly what matters. I think we might... Again, you can only do so much with World War games with futuristic titles or futuristic settings and stuff. It'll probably... I would almost predict us going back into a if they run out of ideas for the war settings, the quality of the campaigns will start to degrade and people will forget about the campaigns, kind of like what they've done with Madden, that whole storyline thing. And then we'll get to where there's no campaign and it's just like the circle. We will have no campaign and then people will be begging for a campaign and they'll be able to go right back to modern, uh, like a, Modern Warfare 2 setting, current era, World War 2, add a campaign back in and people will praise it. Well, they've talked about, well, who was it that talked about? I, I may be just thinking about, I was talking about the other day of just, you know, maybe, maybe it's time to like cut a couple things off because Call of Duty right now is everything to everyone and it's a problem. Like it, we're not getting quality in some areas because they're, too busy trying to do the next thing um especially if you're a 6v6 player like me <laughs> uh one of the things i pointed to was <clears throat> ranked mode uh we had there was a map change every season every season uh of cold war in the pros that they changed a map literally every season uh and it kept it real fresh We've seen one map get added in Vanguard, and that was because of necessity, because Control was literally, they had two maps that were viable, and they had to add a third map because of competitive integrity, because vetoes didn't work <laughs> if, you only, <laughs> if only one team could veto a map. And then you have uh, Modern Warfare, where one map changed the entire season. So... You know, there's there's some things that are just and I understand certain priority priorities shift in different ways as time goes and you go where the money is. But I'm kind of surprised they haven't gone the Call of Duty mobile route, which is it's kind of that thing of every cool map is in that game (laughs) and almost every gun that exists in Call of Duty is in that game. Like you it'll it would almost be great to have just a multiplayer version of call of duty that is just the best maps of all time in one game (laughs) (laughs) that is just constantly updated yeah i yeah i think at the end of the day the only thing that will ever kill 
we'll use that clickbaity word, kill Call of Duty, is Call of Duty itself. I think it's kind of like Destiny. The only thing that will ever kill oh, Destiny agree. is Destiny itself. The only thing that will ever kill COD is COD itself. It's if they don't keep the level of quality and content that got them and the innovation that got them to where they are, if they don't keep up with that, then it can drop off, but that's on them to figure out how to keep us engaged. They, they don't have to do, you know, reinventions every year, but they can't keep, if they slowly decrease in quality, the games will eventually start to suffer. And so they'll have to figure out ways to, you know, twist that knob to, you know, get back on the increasing side of things. So it's definitely uh, going to be a fun thing to watch. That's for sure. I don't think the Gulf War is the play. You can it's make a- it work just like Cold War does if you invent your own conflicts inside of it. We'll see. Cold War had some success. But it's like David named so, three battles so, of the Gulf well, War. <laughs> well, and that's <laughs> well. See, that's the fun. That's that means that you can make it work for you because if things are more vague and stuff that people don't remember, you can make it work with the characters that people love. see how good this is he's gonna let the trailer speak for itself yeah yeah i am okay let's watch it live reactions a lot's happened in the last 10 years it's a miracle i'm even sitting here now i got a second chance i'm gonna take advantage of that but i need you with me pete we're gonna heal the world Look how he's having that conversation at a football hey, field. <laughs> Remember the Titans deal. Love how Miles is upside down. I saw that bridge. Harry. Hey. Hi, Harry. Good job, huh? Still gonna have time for tutoring? We'll figure it out. know there were bears in these woods i love that quip hey mj i have another name for you craven he's here on some kind of hunt no if you need me i'm just a call away hey you don't know what you took from me all miles talks about is how to be a better spider-man how to help you the hell's going on with me he's not himself go help him was our dream. I'm not going to lose him. We're going to heal the world. smile that was on david's face was priceless <laughs> it's, smiling it's the just, whole time 
the music behind it is so good. Like they they've contracted great people to do the music behind it. The uh, I'm uh, Spider-Man. I was I think 12, 13, something like that and rented from our local library uh the comics the original Spider-Man comics, like one of the volumes. And that's kind of, I just fell in love with the character and just getting to see all of this just in place, uh, going straight to Venom. Venom's one of my favorite villains in the entire Spider-Verse and getting to see kind of this black suit Spider-Man transformation. Uh, the character, Tony Todd is killing it with <laughs> the the Venom voiceover. And just just how all of this is going to work together. I'm just very excited. The The first game I have the Platinum on and love the game. And looks like we're going to see Miles confronting Mr. Negative, who, spoiler alert, uh, killed his dad <laughs> in the first game. So just very interesting things and in how all this is going to go. I was really hoping whenever Miles said you took everything from me that Mr. Negative was going to pull that. I don't even know who you are. <laughs> like, <laughs> the Infinity War. The Infinity Thanos War. Thing, yeah. <laughs> it's perfect opportunity for it. Well, I mean, I can understand your excitement, David. That was a good trailer. That was a good trailer. I do not have the same anything when it comes to Spider-Man. I didn't read any of the comics. Uh, I haven't been able to play any of the games. They're on PC now, so I'm going to eventually pick it up <laughs> and play them. I did play a little bit of Miles Morales, and that felt great. So I it's know fantastic. I, I know this game will feel good as, as, as in terms of the game, but I am interested in the story as well. The The dynamic between uh, you know this version of Peter Parker and the dynamic of Miles Morales trying to be and remain the good guy and kind of the middleman between Venom and Peter Parker, Spider-Man, I think is an interesting plot point. Again, I don't know much about the comics. I didn't play the first games and I didn't beat Miles Morales, but I, I am intrigued by that dynamic. I want to know what happens and they've done their job. Yep. It's, I don't believe that that dynamic's actually been in the comics. The the Peter's going through this with the suit, and Miles has to be part of the solution to help him <laughs> to get away from it. And that that to and me is wonder be if a very work. interesting idea. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's because where... one of the things they show is the the creeping up from together, and then all of a sudden the electricity. From miles, yeah, from miles, so it's, yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see how all of this happens. Um, also, cool that they announced uh, they did show off the collector's edition, the statue, and everything at the Comic Con panel, as well as the collector's edition uh, or the collector's PS5 limited edition PS5 and probably the best news that we got from the entire thing. And I know Noah and I are having the conversation about it as we were going through and Noah, Noah was like, and watch, they're going to make us pay for an entire PlayStation five to have all of it. No, they are actually selling the plates for the PlayStation five and the controllers separately. And it's while that, move. 
while that will cost a decent penny, it is easily shows what the future of collector's edition consoles should be. Because as someone who had to sell his Xbox One to get the Halo edition <laughs> Xbox One, and if I would have traded it in at GameStop, it would have been probably two to three hundred dollars of a change. Instead, I sold it to a friend and managed to make that a little less. But then I went and traded in my original Nintendo Switch to get the Zelda OLED, and that cost me over $200. Knowing that I can get on PlayStation Direct or go to GameStop or whatever and buy this at probably a little over $100, maybe $150, that's a really nice feeling. But even nicer is knowing that I don't have to switch out hard drives. I don't have to reset my console and then go and reinstall all kinds of things onto a new console or go through any of the setup or anything. It I just switch out the, the panels and boom, I'm done. Like that is just such a nice thing and something that like I, I know it's easier said than done. But if Xbox could come up with a way with this, if Nintendo could figure out a good way to do this or it's not a like this doesn't void your PlayStation's warranty at all. Like this is actually just part of the build of it. Like this it's just a really good idea and I'm honestly very surprised it took them this long to do this. Like this is 3 years into the PlayStation's life cycle and these are the first outside of Japan because Japan did get the Final Fantasy plates. But this is the first set of plates they've sold. Like I'm really surprised there wasn't God of War plates at least <laughs> last year. Like I could have seen Horizon. Horizon is a big enough idea, but I I'm really surprised that it took this long for Sony to to put out a set of plates. Well, I thought they originally weren't going to do plates. Well, they uh, dbrand, which is the people in the space that uh, they are constantly kind of mouthing off about the whole thing of we're making something that. And we're doing it differently enough that you can't sue us. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> how they built everything. Uh, they were one, ones who originally were making plates, and then Sony did file something against them, and they had to very heavily change the design. And from that point, you're like, okay, Sony is apparently doing something. And then they did the different colors. So they did they did go ahead and do colors. It's just the whole special edition. I would have imagined special edition plates would have like game themed. Like it just, Licensing. It just, yeah. It's these aren't these can't be that expensive to make. And you're definitely. Yes. Is it stink because people aren't buying a console off of you? Sure. But like this to me is kind of a no brainer because you have to be making a decent profit off of literally just printed plates. <laughs> Oh, yeah, for sure. But I think they're also, I think the, the disc list PlayStations, they are making a profit of, correct? And then the, the disc ones, they're not. Is that right? Po possibly, yes. Yeah. So, that, I mean, if anything, being able to switch out plates is a better way to get things in consumers' hands. Like, well, if we remember spending too, the extra money to buy and build a whole console. Yeah, if we remember, though. I, I, in general, accessories is what sells the most for consoles Always. anyway. The controllers and, it, highest and all margin. that. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this this just becomes part of that financial sheet. Yep. And they, it is available for both consoles. They're they're doing these plates for the disc and discless versions. Mm-hmm. So so they are thinking about As it everybody. Should. Yeah. yeah. Which myself, I have both. I have a I have a disc version and a digital version downstairs. So I'm probably going to get this for my digital version because my digital version has regular plates and my my upstairs version has the uh, regular red one red controller one that they did earlier this year how does switching plates off of the disc version work it's really it's got easy the because hardware the, in it. well the plate is uh the plate is just still over the top of the disc drive so it just slides oh. off yeah it's a cover yeah, it's still it's just, just like a cover a, i thought it was like inside i don't oh, know okay no 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 it's actually just a cover over the disc drive slot so the ones i've seen have been discless so gotcha the digital yeah, versions that's how it works. It's just okay. it's a little Sandwich. bit wider, so that's why it's uh, and it has the hole for the disc still, so that's why it has to work that way. Got it. Okay. That but makes the sense. other reason the other reason I've thought about doing the digital is I actually have the Spider Man PlayStation Four Pro down here, so it'll look real nice next to cool. that PlayStation Four Pro. <laughs> I need a sound effect for every time David drops some sort of like show off moment. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what, but. Hey, that has cost me a lot, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much I it's shown it. off as, as expensive it's, as it's been. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how many people who would watch this know about the DVD <laughs> screensaver. Maybe the ooh. I wonder if, if the office. <laughs> I wonder if there's a 10-hour YouTube video of the DVD screensaver somewhere Someone's there. Someone's done it. Someone's Someone done it. has done it. Noah, can you can you uh, look that up real quick? The yeah, yeah. YouTube DVD. <laughs> I don't know if you can. Maybe David oh, can. I now I'm just curious. It. That would be fascinating. Because I think 10 hours is the longest uh, you could do that. Yep, there is 10 hours no loop. <laughs> that is What's interesting is is there's one that actually got uploaded a year ago. <laughs> wow. Uh someone did an 11 hour stream of it. 24/7. Sorry, 12 hours. Yeah. DVD screen server 24/7 is it was streamed 2 years ago. Oh, they didn't quite hit 24 hours, but they got to 11. That's still respectable. Nice. I can't wait to see what like algorithmic suggestions our YouTube uh, homepage is going to be now that we have searched <laughs> DVD screensaver 10 hours. <laughs> because we know the algorithm and it's, you know, all of its glory is going to give us very interesting search suggestions now. Next week, we should get an update on that. What did your YouTube front page look like? Screenshot it. Screenshot it. Make sure Make sure you... I'll give uh, it a, a day to uh, let the algorithm be like, all right, we got him now. He's wanting DVD yeah. screens over 10 hours. Yeah, screenshot He's it. He's going to go on Amazon, and they're going to be trying to sell him a bunch of DVD players. <laughs> I'm going to put that in my notes right now. Next week, screenshot DVD homepage YouTube. There you go. Okay. Xbox Live is now Game Pass Core. Okay, so what you know is Xbox Live, that's gone. Nothing changes about the service except 
the free games that you get, it's not three or whatever the number was a month anymore. It is just or two. 25 games predetermined for a month will typically be Microsoft Game Studios type games, but it costs the same. $10. So, we have Xbox Game Pass Core. We have Xbox Game Pass. We have Game Pass Ultimate. Should Microsoft have just discontinued this tier instead of rebranding it? In all fairness, they already weren't giving away <laughs> games in that thing with gold. Like it was such trash. <laughs> it might they might as well not have been giving away anything. So, well, that's my point. So, like, okay, you get twenty five games. The, the, all these games included are in Game Pass. So, yeah, it's not like you it's, get exclusive. It's that it's still that whole idea of there are people that for whatever reason don't actually want to subscribe to ultimate so they just want to play online so this is them trying to honestly a lot of it i believe is them trying to pull those people into game pass ultimate because you're giving them a taste of a 25 game library and the idea of oh so this is what's available okay David, let me sell you on this real quick. For $10, you could get access for 25 games from Microsoft's library. For $1 more, you could get access to nearly 100, if not over 100, games on Game Pass console. But, but then I don't have online membership, so you lost me there because I only play Madden online. Wait, Game Pass doesn't come with online anymore? Game Pass Ultimate is the only thing that ever has is the only thing that comes with Xbox Live Gold. Regular Game Pass for $10 or $11 now, it never came with what? online ever. I've always subscribed to Ultimate, so this is news to me. Yep. What? I swear That's why I Ultimate was Ultimate. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the... Uh, oh, trust the, me. As someone who sold it for a long time at GameStop, I know. <laughs> oh, that's fair. That's fair. All-knowing all from GameStop. Okay, so that's the difference there. Yep. So if you were to get Game Pass for console, you have to play, pay for Game Pass Core as well. Okay. Well... <laughs> I mean I guess it's not I'm assuming with them doing this it's not going to cost them a ton to do this and if they can get you know a small percentage of people to sign up with not really putting a lot of effort into changing up this particular tier I mean there are a lot of other streaming services they're doing these like lower tiers and they're seeing some success with it and i can imagine since it's all including or they're only including stuff that's for the most part xbox studios and part of their family they don't really have to put a lot of money into it and if they can make some money off of it that's free profits for them so i mean i i don't necessarily think it's like a revolutionary like oh that's such a good great change or idea tier but the same time like if it gets them some money i don't blame them if it 
if it pulls people in, that's the way I look at it. it I think if you it guarantee pulls, it's going to give them money. Yeah, because I think it's going to pull. I think it'll pull the people in who are already paying that. Essentially, it'll pull those some of those people into Game Pass. Ultimate. I wonder if it will have the same effect as Xbox Live did when it originally launched, where it pretty much felt like because of the library of games that Microsoft had, Halo, Gears of War, Forza, all these games that thrived on multiplayer that you felt like you just had to have Xbox Live. I wonder if the fact that you still need to have Xbox Live because that's the library of game Microsoft carries is so many multiplayer style games and Fortnite is one of the only ones that you could play off of Xbox Live that people will feel like oh, I might as well get Game Pass Ultimate for $3 more. Especially like if they play, you know, they try it out, they like the library, but they're like, hey, I'd like to do the online, you know, or the other stuff. And then Xbox pops up that, hey, you can upgrade for just this, you know, this much more month. It's a lot easier yep. to do that way than trying to get them to, from the beginning, sign up for Ultimate. Oh, the business. In any case, it's better than the absolute garbage that they were giving away for free. <laughs> That's true. That is true. And, and I, I say that not as a hit at the games. It's just, I mean, we were really scraping. Scraping. They were scraping <laughs> the bottom of the barrel on, on what they were offering. Well, yeah, all the all the stuff that was part of Game Pass were leaps and bounds better than what they were offering for we, we gold knew where the money and was for going. good reason yeah <laughs> for good reason uh playstation plus absolutely destroyed what you would get with xbox live gold thompson i just got black ops cold war and alan wake remastered this month yeah and something else that i can't remember what it is rarely would you get anything like that from gold i don't remember the best game that they've had there i mean there was maybe three oh, significant stuff, releases Maybe Tomb Raider was, was one of them at one point. That was back towards the 360 time. I feel like is when you got the best stuff. Like because I, oh, I remember sure. getting like cracked down and and yeah. stuff like that. I have a lot of that stuff too. All right. Well, that will do it. That was a good one, boys. It's fun. Woo. So uh, next week, uh, you two will have the day off because I will still be here because the tabletop guys will be back for their gen con coverage so nice awesome yep can't wait to so, see can't take wait to see all the cool tabletop stuff that we get to talk y'all get to talk about yeah they convinced me last year of uh some cool tabletop games they showed me this one cat in the box nice. uh still haven't been able to play it with my wife yet we've been very busy so that's why it's still shrink wrap but that is i mean it's sitting right in here i'm ready to play it so i just need to find the time and i need my daughter to get a little older i don't want her eating the the small pieces oh no so um cat she's true now but you know she still gets a little curious by with things in her mouth so um yeah that'll be fun so enjoy your days off be back next week. There's going to be we, some we, good we stuff. We will probably be playing Call of Duty. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Y'all better come back with some games. Set yourself up ahead. All right. Oh, yeah. Y'all got two weeks to play 
variety of stuff for sure gotcha for it sure. comes back call so call of duty yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i've been playing ton of it's like four. <laughs> we got you anthony like winks like we got you yeah. <laughs> what's funny uh, is i think the new season of call of duty is the day before the next podcast we'll, we will be on <laughs> well to be fair diablo 4 season one started today as of this recording so yeah. i don't blame you if you play that because i will probably be playing that but uh, the next time we meet, I will be talking about Street Fighter yeah. Six. I can't wait. Uh, I already have a game that. to to talk about for the next podcast. So. Oh, good. Very it's good. Call of Duty. <laughs> of course, <laughs> it's it, it, it's Doll of Booty. <laughs> it's a parody. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for us. We'll end on that note. Deuces. Peace.